Tops Library of Congress, <laughs> Hip Hop's Dumbledore. Oh, wow. A cross between Mozart and Alan Turing. Oh, fantastic. A mashup of Stanley Crouch and Isaac Asimov. Wow, that, that is, those are some deep cuts. Very good. A Go blend on. of Stephen Hawking and a hundred back episodes of the hip hop magazine, The Source. Oh, that's fantastic. Episode 29, Questlove is Autistic. Welcome to the Autistic Culture Podcast. Each episode, we dive deep into autistic contributions to society and culture by introducing you to some of the world's most famous and successful autistics in history. Before we get started, a quick disclaimer on how we use the word autistic. The purpose of this show is not to diagnose the people or characters we discuss as autistic. While some may have announced being autistic, what we're really sharing here is our observation of what is representative of autistic culture. It can sometimes be difficult for autistic people to celebrate our natural tendencies and traits due to the perception of autism as a disorder that needs to be fixed, a long history of damaging medical interventions to get autistics to fit in with mainstream culture, and protective masking skills many of us have developed to try to stay safe. Whether you are autistic or just love someone who is, your hosts, Dr. Angela Loria, the linguistic autistic. And licensed psychological practitioner, Matt Lowry, welcome you to take this time to be fully immersed in the language, values, traditions, norms, and identity of Autistica. Autistica. Well, hey, Matt. Hey. I have a question for you. You know I love trivia. Oh. So yes. who is the artist also known as Amir Khalib Thompson? That would be Questlove, uh, founder of The Roots. That is correct. Yes. Yay. Ding, ding, ding. Two points. Amir Khalib Thompson and better known by Questlove. That is the topic of today's conversation. Now, um, in this particular case, we actually have a confirmed medical diagnosis. Ooh, of confirmation autism. of autism. And yeah, and not uh, not late in life, actually as a kid, just like got diagnosed by a doctor as a kid. How Living an entire autistically aware life. Yes, pretty interesting. Um, so I'm going to give you a little bit of background first about Questlove. And we are very, very quickly going to jump into how uh, Questlove has affected autistic culture, how he is a part of autistic culture, and really the example he sets of even though he had a medical diagnosis, of living a life inside autistic culture that celebrates all aspects of it. And they're all intertwined and delicious and juicy. So let me just set the scene first. Um, so grew up in West Philly, or actually was born in Philly, but spent a lot of time on the road. So Questlove's father, we don't have any diagnosis here, but I might let you do some conjecting. Uh, but his father, Lee Andrews, was in the doo-wop group, Lee Andrews and the oh, Hearts. Neat. 
he he had a uh, collection of 5,000 records. <laughs> we'll just start there. And Oh, magnificent. And he felt like it was super important for Questlove to learn a lot about music. He hit the road. Um, so I think at five years old, started touring. And there's a whole thing in the 80s. I'm not going to get into this, but there's a whole thing where they got... I, I, they got into like the Tammy Faye Baker, Jerry, Jerry. They got into this whole Christian thing. Was it the 700 club? Was that the Christian thing? And uh, then they were like watching that. That was like the only thing they were allowed to watch. So, you know, a lot of times in that like Christian subculture, how there's like homeschooling because you don't want the kids to be taped. So anyway, they homeschooled. They had this Christian school. They had all this Christian stuff. And then he was on the road with the band from a super young age. I think the first time he performed, he might have been eight. So wow. Yeah. So but here's the thing. Um, His pediatrician, so Questlove's pediatrician wanted your job. Uh, He wanted to be (laughs) a child psychologist. So and he was very much like against pathologizing children. And so the parents who had kids with him, he talked about the importance of creative freedom and letting kids follow their special interests. And so Lee Andrews, his dad, and then his mom is Jacqueline Thompson. So Lee and Jacqueline were both in the band. And this pediatrician was like, if you just expose little Amir to all of your record collection and all of your music, it's very likely he will become a successful music a musician. This is the way. Yeah. This is the way. So he's like, don't pressure him. Just expose him to lots of music and let's see what happens. So uh, so his parents, Jacqueline, and, and he calls, what does he call Jacqueline? He calls her like my my number one girl or something like that. He's super, super close to his mom. So Jacqueline and Lee were like, draw on the wall, like play with your food, turn your cups and saucers into drums. And so he got super into banging on pots and pans and they're like, yeah, go for it. And at five, they're like, we think he's going to be a drummer or a tap dancer. So they sent him to drumming class and tap dancing class. Ooh. Very stimmy. Yes. And there is more where that came from. And so he then, by eight, is on the road with the band drumming in learning, you know, all these syncopated rhythms. Because there's a lot of connections between tap dancing and drumming. It's all like that, the thing I don't have, whatever that coordination when you're patting your head and rubbing your belly Proprioceptive sensitivity. Oh, yeah. Well, he's got that, whatever that, that like. That, that is a common thing for autistic people. Oh. And uh, 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 because, again, we are either very proprioceptive sensitive or not very proprioceptive sensitive. And a lack of it uh, also relates to dyscalculia and dystonia and all the other things. But when you're on, you're on. And he's on times 10, like musical genius and begins to memorize this record collection. 
Of course he does. (laughs) Right. So he's really obsessed with this record collection. He's really obsessed with drumming. And then he's getting all this Christian stuff, which is like kind of boring. And he's trying to figure out how to get out of all the Christian McChristianson stuff all the time watching the seven. Oh, he's only allowed to watch the 700 Club, Sesame Street, which he's super into. And good man, good man. And Soul Train. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. You like the oh, train. That's fantastic. There's a train yeah. reference there and everything. Uh, so this is. Yes. So he, oh, my God. The double. Yes. Oh, my God. Yes. Go on. Yes. So he's like, how the hell am I going to like get more of this like Soul Train music stuff into my life? And he applies for the Philadelphia High School of creative and performing arts. It's the fame Ooh. school of Philly. Oh, wow. Fame from fame. Fame from fame. And the famous fame from fame. His parents probably wouldn't have been into this whole thing, except for the fact that it was music, right? So he gets out of the Christian school, the Christian education, all that stuff. Um, he is allowed basically to explore, um, and have this high school experience. And the reason why he's allowed to do this is because it's music. Like they're not thrilled about him leaving the Christian world, but it's music. So it's one of their spins. So yeah. Right. So he, um, so I'm going to give you this quote. So he goes, so now he has, he's been on the road. Like just imagine you're like 14, you're super talented drummer, but haven't really been in school. You've been in this mostly world of adults. And he goes for the first time to uh, creative and performing arts. So it's called CAPA or CAPA, creative and performing arts. Okay. So here's a quote you can read from Questlove. The first few days at Kappa redefined culture shock for me. I went from a small school of 20 to a school of 2000, and the first day alone was surreal. It's like I had been transported into the movie Fame. Look, there's a knot of goth kids. There's some ballerinas over there in the corner. There are jazz students with their instruments out in the lunchroom. It bore some resemblance to the school I had attended when I was a little kid, but with one important difference. Back then, I was just an observer. I went there because I was interested in music, but also because my sister attended, and as a result, I existed on the edge of her social sphere. At Kappa, I was on my own, and the newness of it all washed over me like a flood. I was like a country boy in a movie all about the big city, looking all around me, gaping at the tall buildings. Pretty intense environment to walk into from this sheltered existence he had. Um, But he, you know, it's it's such a huge advantage when you have a talent. So, and everyone needs a drummer. So he pretty quickly makes a couple friends and uh, you might be familiar with these friends. One of them is Tariq uh, Trotter, who is the co-founder of The Roots. Um, Uh He walks in on Tariq kissing a girl in the bathroom. 
but I think Tariq needed a drummer and he liked uh, how how Questlove was dressed. He was like in a dashiki and acrylic painted jeans. And Neat. so he's like, you're weird. Let's be friends. And um, they go to the cafeteria and Tariq is like, we could get some girls if you can bang out some rhythms on the dining room tables. So they just started in the cafeteria playing music to attract uh, the other cool kids or not cool kids. I'm not sure which. So that's how he sort of became popular in school. That's cool. I like that. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing when you have a special interest, you find other people with that special interest and they're going to be interested in you. And there were some other guys that were looking for a drummer They had a music video they were going to make and they needed a drummer. They were in a band called Boys to Men. (laughs) So he's, I think, a junior. A little known band. A little known band. I mean, they were little known then, but he's a junior when he makes this video. And senior year, this video comes out. And now he is like one of the most popular kids in school. Because this video goes viral, Boys to Men get super famous. And it was like, I don't, it wasn't one of the first videos, but it's kind of at the beginning of hip hop videos. And yeah. so it, he got some screen time, let's just say. Nice. So that was pretty, that was pretty formative. There is this whole group of friends now from Kappa who nine, I think it's like, um, I, I want to say it's like a dozen, maybe 12 to 14 kids. Nine of them have recording contracts and they're all hanging out. They're like digging into um, Questlove's dad's music collection. They're hanging out with Questlove. They're writing songs together. One of them is Erica Baidu, um, oh. Jill Scott, Music Soul Ooh. Child, uh, Common is in the group, <laughs> right? So... Wow. Around this time. So things are happening. The Roots are a band. They have a different, slightly different name. They're the Square Roots at the time, but the Roots are a band. Wow, that is super geeky. I love it. So cute, right? Um, And uh, Arsenio Hall is all the rage. So this is just after senior year and Questlove goes to see Arsenio Hall, but he's got to stand in line. Uh, So it's a family vacation in California and it's like a two, they have tickets, but there's like a two or three hour line to go inside. Yeah. And while they're standing in line at Arsenio Hall, Questlove hears this band at the time. Questlove at the time was not known as Questlove. And he hears this band. And this is a quote from his memoir. I'm going to have you share. Ah. (laughs) (laughs) A tribe called Quest was like nothing I'd ever heard. It was stylish, funny, jazzy, soulful, smart, and everything else. Tribe was socially conscious without being too self-conscious about it. In 1990, I was a budding hip-hop artist, but hearing Tribe made everything bloom. On our very first album, 1993's Organics, I was credited as B-R-O, bro, the, the R, question mark, beat recycler of the rhythm. 
That's impressive. Which is possibly the most unwieldy hip-hop name in the history, and it couldn't stand. The Quest love name grew from the seed of a tribe called Quest, though I watered it with my own questions about self-knowledge and searching. That's cool. So that is the yeah. origin of Questlove. Did you know that? That's where Questlove I, came from, Tribe Called Quest? I, I I did not. Although Beat Recycler of the Rhythm, that that is an epic name that must be used at some point somewhere by someone. Because B-R-O the not, R. It's B-R-O the R on the drums. I don't, it's not good. Yeah, yeah. Does not <laughs> roll, but again, galactic supervillain, who knows? Yeah. So, um, okay. So at this point, we now have a name for the band, The Roots, and we have a name for one of the co-founders, Questlove. Uh, the Roots have a recording contract. They've got famous friends that are their friends from, uh, from high school, from the fame school. Um, they've got a, a hit. They are firmly entrenched in the hip hop world and Questlove becomes a producer. So he starts producing records at this point. um, And his space is this bohemian neo soul alternative hip hop kind of a de la soul thing. He's working with the soul quarians. And I don't know if you know one of his, and you can see this. So I found, and I highly recommend on Spotify, Questlove has like a hundred playlists he's curated. Of course he does. I'm going to talk about his DJing, but he has playlists for all of the astrological signs. So one of his special interests is astrology. That's magnificent. so good. And so he creates this group, this group of all his friends, and they're called the Soulquarians. So this is Erica Baidu, Common, Taliba Coeli, Most Def, Q-Tip. They call it the movement. Eventually, wow. D'Angelo shows up. He's producing D'Angelo, and wow. things are rocket and rolling. I'm obviously going to spend a lot of time on his special interests and all that good stuff, but I just want to give you a sense of his career, especially if you don't know who he is. In 2013, he wrote his memoir, Mo Meta Blues. So that's a pun on Mo Meta Blues, which is a uh, Spike Jones. Uh, sorry, Spike Lee film. Um, and so his is Mometa Blues. A lot of what I'm going to talk about today comes from that memoir. And uh, then after the memoir comes out, he becomes and remains to this day, uh, the, the Roots become the house band for Late Night with Jimmy Fallon. I, I just love how inherently geeky all of that is. And, and especially since Moe's deaf joined them, that he's Ford Prefect. So right? I mean... Wow. It just, They're all everything, dorks. That's magnificent. I love it. They're all dorks. So, um, so just to like give you a flavor of his career, because I know not everyone listening will know Questlove, but also he has so many lives that he's lived, um, so many different things. So he's a filmmaker, he's a musician, he's a collector, he's a historian, he's now a publisher. He is, uh, he's had 11 albums with The Roots. He's produced about 36 to 40 albums, including Common, Erica Baidu, Solange. Uh, he's got a podcast, Quest Love Supreme. He's got this huge career as a DJ, which we're going to spend a lot of time on. 
He co-founded a whole bunch of websites like OK Player, OK Africa. He's got, I think, six books now. One of them is on Soul Train, wow. which is his special interest. So we'll of talk about that. Uh, he has directed several documentaries, including a really key one called The Summer of Soul, which we're going to talk about. Um, again, comes out of that. He has won an Academy Award, a Grammy Award, oh, six Grammy Awards, a BAFTA. Uh, yeah, dude has had a career. Um, the man needs some more shelf space for awards. That's impressive. Seriously. And then the newest thing, which is the thing that made me want to cover this in this episode, which is just last week um, from when we're recording this, uh, they announced, and I I meant to listen to this. I Oh, yes, I yes, yes, yes. A little bit wrong. But he, uh, Macmillan Publishers have made him um, the head of an imprint of books. And the name of it's weird. I'm not a big fan. It comes from a Prince thing. So it's A-U-W-A, Awa. But yeah. I think that's how you pronounce it. I don't know how you pronounce it. But anyway, it's a bird call noise, which was popularized by Prince in the song Baby I'm a Star. Whoa, you might not know it now. Baby, try it out. Anyway, somewhere in there, Prince screeches. And that is the name of the publishing imprint. And again, Prince, probably one of us. Mm, Prince makes makes an appearance in this episode. Big, <laughs> big influence. So, uh, okay, so this um, publishing imprint, what I think... Uh, Questlove says, uh, I've been writing books for over a decade, so it seemed like a natural fit to publish them. They're doing things like uh, a, a labor handbook for a revolution, the essential guide to workplace organizing, uh, wow. Sly Stallone biography. Um, they have Hip Hop is History, a chronology of hip hop's 50 years. So some cool stuff coming out. Keep an Neat. eye out. That's the new thing to add to a very long list. That's a little bit of background. But now let's talk about the autism. I don't have a lot on this, but he does share uh, about his diagnosis in the book and then in the press that he did uh, for the book. He talked about it as well. So here's the quote from the book. Uh, let's see here. I wasn't a normal kid. My father used to say half jokingly that there was a little concern over whether or not I was okay. Maybe it wasn't a joke at all. The concern was about my personality, which seemed too eccentric. I don't think autistic was a common term back then, but I later found out that they had taken me to a doc doctor to see if something was wrong. It wasn't that I was violent or temperamental. In fact, my mom said it was a blessing because I never gave her trouble. It was the opposite. They knew exactly how to sedate me, which was to set me in the front of something that held my interest and then just leave. Bing. This is the way. This is the yeah, way. Yeah, this is how we roll. <laughs> okay, so here's where it gets interesting. And I love the Quest Love story because of how you're going to see everything's interwoven. So he spends a lot of time in his memoir talking about his parents and the babysitter whenever they needed to calm him down all they would do is give him a record to spin. 
Ooh. Right? Ooh, spinning. We love spinning. So this is actually a stim. We haven't gotten into the special interest piece. He did a few different things. So one is he liked to spin in circles. The yeah. other is he liked to watch records spin. And he would sometimes spin them on his finger. He would watch them on the turntable. He would just sit there for hours watching records spin. And yeah. he literally says that for the first hour, they're like, this is great. Keeps the kid quiet. Second hour, probably still pretty good. But by the third or fourth hour, they were like, do we have to worry about this kid? Like he's not eating. He's not going to the bathroom. He's not listening to the music. He's just spinning the turntables. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so, and also, he has a little selective mutism. So he do, uh, he yeah. doesn't talk, he doesn't scream. He's He just wants to watch these records spin. And now looking back on it, here's why, here's what he says. He says, I like the way the logo looked when it was rotating. Yes. <laughs> my, my son's favorite toy when he was a little kid was this uh, little puppy in a dish that uh, you press a button and it spun around in a circle and he would take literally everything and see if it would spin. And I, I would joke that that was the game. Will it spin? And he, I cut out a whole bunch of shapes and colors and he would put it all in there and watch it spin around just like watching the logo because yeah. that is, it's just visual rotation. And that is so satisfying. Yeah. So super satisfying. And he said it was the most relaxing thing. Yeah. So this is really interesting because, of course, we don't know at this point he's going to be a DJ, but spinning ah. records is what relaxes him? Spinning records? What? Born into the role, yes. It's so cool. So uh, he says, I often joke that people say you do these marathon DJ gigs and he'll do hours and hours of DJing. And uh, a lot of music act, acts need cocaine to wind down. But when I need to wind down, I just do like a six hour DJing act. He said, last night I went to a party and I wasn't the DJ. I was so uncomfortable. I felt like wow. Linus without a blanket. Ooh, oh, an autistic character, yes. Right? Every three seconds I was judging the DJ's segues, like, oh my God, such a horrible segue. He can't go from 120 beats a minute to 87 beats a minute. It makes no fucking musical sense. And wow. she's not spinning on the one. Like after a while, I was just neurotic about it and no fun at this party. This is the way. That is that is a wonderful autistic way of interaction because that's 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 how you get there. You 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 this is your special interest. This is and again, we've shortened special interest to spins. spins. I know I love so, that too. Yes. But look at yeah. this crossover that you go from a stim to a spin, yeah. which is pretty rare that people's stim becomes their spin. Yes, very much so. Yeah, that is fantastic. Right? So, I love that. Uh, so obviously, dad music collection, into drumming from a young age, loves spinning. He then gets into the only TV show really he's allowed to watch, which is Soul Train. So this is all oh, yeah. going to lead up to how he becomes 
one of the world's best DJs ever. So loves spinning, loves Soul Train. And here, this is from, he was on Terry Gross's Fresh Air and he's talking about Soul Train. Here's a little Soul Train info dump. Ooh, I like that. I mean, I can tell you the amount of times that Soul Train has used a green and yellow lighting motif. (laughs) That's wonderful. I've watched every episode of Soul Train worth watching at least 30 times each. So after a while, you just stop watching the main thing and you just look at the background parts. Yes, you do. Right. My my favorite, my all-time favorite part of Soul Train is without a doubt the first 60 seconds. Soul Train starts always starts with a 30-second animation of a train dancing in outer space. It does. Which, Behind yes. the shape of the earth. And then at the end of the 10-second mark, Joe Cobb, a DJ from Chicago, yells at the highest volume, the Soul Train. <laughs> so there's always like a scary element that attracts you. Like you're attracted to things that are frightening. People go see horror films, people riding roller coasters. I watched the first 30 seconds of Soul Train. It's the same <laughs> scary thrill. And then the next 30 seconds are on my all-time parts of Soul Train, which is basically Sid McCoy, another announcer who had the smoothest voice. He had a very deep cadence in his voice, and he would say very soothing, Soul Train, the hippest trip in America, with guest stars, The Temptations. And to me, just the introduction of Soul Train, probably the craziest thing I could ever do is I could sit and watch all 1,100 episodes of just the intros to Soul Train. For me, the show is over once they say, and now here's your host, Don Cornelius. Like after that, everything's great. Anything after that is gravy. And yes, when I was a kid, that did scare me because it was like, what? Because again, the dancing train and the soul, you know, like, wow, oh no, howling. But yeah, you get into the music and the dancing and yes, and that, wow, that's a fantastic way of looking at things. I love it so much. And, and again, that is a very apt observation about the differences in uh, the cadence and in the rhythm and the tone and the, the the texture of the sound associated with all of this. That's a very deep understanding of all the components. And I love it. I could read this description a thousand times. So first of all, one of the things I used to get in trouble for was watching movies or TV shows over and over. Um, I had a very weird obsession with Top Gun where I've like seen Top Gun like a hundred times. I don't, I can't, I don't know. That's a lot of shirtless volleyball. It's a lot of, it's not. But anyway, oh God. But my mom would get mad. She's like, what are you watching? What could you be watching? And like one of the things I remember doing, I was watching Top Gun when I was an exchange student. I was living in Australia and when I watched it, I counted the number of U.S. flags Ooh. throughout oh, the film. Oh, that's interesting. And then I just looked for like symbols of like U.S. patriotic symbols and cataloged them as I was watching. Wow. Which everybody else missed. Like you don't get that on the first 50 views. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, it's all this uh, subtext that goes in there. Yeah, and like same thing with like I've heard every Crowded House song at least a thousand times and I know so much. More. I probably know more about a lot of those songs than Crowded House does, like because especially the recordings, like they've played it a thousand times, but I've listened to one recording a thousand times. So I know when somebody takes an extra breath, 
or a step or a move. So I love how he describes this because I think to holistic people, it's like, why the hell would you watch the same thing over and over? But he's like, I've watched every episode worth watching 30 times. At 30 times, you get to watch so much more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, you don't. You get that monotropic focus and get into the background detail, and it's wonderful. It's it's the reason why I've seen Star Wars a million times because it's it's not just about the main details. It's about the background stuff and all the the artistry that goes into it, and the costume design and uh, the sculpting on the walls, and just there's so much to observe and to learn and to take in. So much data to be and to, had. I was like, and data to collect. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. When autistic people find a special interest, they go deep and have a lot of knowledge, even if they don't have that formal education background to go with it. If you want to capture your spin in a book, check out Angela's work at differencepress.com, differencepress.com, and find out more about becoming an author and establishing your credibility with a book. So when one collects data, especially when one is a linguistic autistic like me and Questlove, one wants to write a book about all the data we have collected. Of course, because that's you have once you collect the data, you have to share the data. Must that's the share, other half. Must share data. Yes. So good. Yes. Uh, so he begins work on a documentary on Soul Train. He begins work on a book about Soul Train. Who better to write it? <laughs> I will say his editor's biggest complaint is like, dude, it's a little, there's a lot of detail. Maybe, maybe dial it back on the details. Nobody cares how many episodes had a green and yellow lighting motif. Like, I care. That's magnificent. Oh, I want to see. Yeah. <laughs> Going to spend some time on YouTube after this. Yes. So now we've got a true special interest here, which leads to a second special interest. So the interesting Ooh. thing about Soul Train is it is black music. Uh-huh. And he begins to get into, and now he's got his dad's music collection, which is a lot of black music. He's got his soul train obsession, which is black music. And now he starts getting into black music history. And this um, documentary he makes, even though it's about soul train, there's actually the beginnings of his next special interest here. So um, this is... Uh, This is a reporter from the New York Times Magazine. And uh, so this is an interesting analysis of that documentary. Uh, It was funny. The singer Madison McFerrin told me to watch Thompson's documentary as his friend, knowing how obsessed he is with black musical history. She remembered the informal music appreciation syllabus... (laughs) (laughs) That's fantastic. The informal music appreciation syllabus Thompson texted her the day after they first met. Ten albums, one book. It's almost, we surmised, as though what Soul Train did for him, he wants to do for everybody else. He has to communicate the spin. He has to info dump. 
That I love the informal music appreciation syllabus. Thank oh you. my God, that's fantastic. Thank you for appreciating. Oh, wow. I very oh, nicely, glorious. I provide many syllabuses. When people ask me anything about one of my spins, I will immediately provide here are the 10 albums in one book. <laughs> I mean, it's so classic. What? One year, my son's mother was coming with me to the Transformers convention, and I said, okay, so this is going to be your first convention, so these are going to be the, you know, 100 or 200 episodes that we have to watch in order to prepare you for the Transformers convention. And, of course, as an holistic person, you can imagine how excited she was that that we were going to do a crash course. They don't always appreciate it, but I do love... Um, the Madison McFerrin, his friend, which who I wonder if is related to Bobby McFerrin. I don't actually know. I didn't. Look I, that yeah, I was up. wondering. But um, but like, uh, she remembered that this informal syllabus, like with love, and yeah. it was like what Soul Train did for him. He wants to do for everybody else. So if you're listening yes. and you're holistic and you are getting into celebrating autistic culture, when somebody info dumps, even if you're not that interested. One of the things I would want you to know is like, this changed my life. Soul Train changed my life. I want you to have this amazing epiphany. So even if you don't want to listen to all 10 albums in one book, showing appreciation here, this is how we show love. So you might want us to show, to give you small talk. And I guess to ask you like, how are you? Or what did you have for dinner? Or what do you think of the weather or the sports ball? Yeah, yeah. This yeah. is our love language. That's what we're saying. Yeah. We're saying, how's uh, the sports ball? Except for we're like, hey, I cultivated a fucking syllabus that will change your life forever. God, that's deep. I love it so much. It's so much better than, you know, complimenting someone's macaroni or something. This macaroni is great. I, I created a syllabus for you that could change your life. Even if you're not going to do it, just like respond accordingly. You want us to respond accordingly to say like, yes, mm, it is good. So yes. be like, holy shit, you cultivated a syllabus for me. This is amazing. Then you can ignore it. But yeah, deep dive with people. This sharing a spin is an intimate act. So, so deep. So uh, it's no wonder, says the New York Times, that Questlove became an encyclopedia of late 20th century musical history. Okay. Oh, that's wonderful. And then these are how, these are different ways Questlove has been described. So here we go. Hip Hop's Library of Congress. <laughs> Hip Hop's Dumbledore. Oh, wow. A cross between Mozart and Alan Turing. Oh, fantastic. A mashup of Stanley Crouch and Isaac Asimov. Wow, that, that is, those are some deep cuts. Very good. Go on. A blend of Stephen Hawking and 100 back episodes of the hip-hop magazine The Source. Oh, that's fantastic. I love it. Wow. Oh, these are all great. I love them all. Yes. And then this is the name that Questlove says he is most often called the Soul Whisperer. (laughs) That's great. I love that. Okay. So we've got a, a, a stim, which is spinning things. And we've got a special interest, which is Soul Train, that leads to Black music history, music history in general. Put those two together, and what do you have? A career as a DJ. 
Fantastic. So oh. uh, at la- I think this was from a 2001 um, article that I read, but a New York Times article in 2001, he had 200,000 uh, records that he still oh, has. Oh, that's magnificent. Uh, he's got... He's got a class on DJing in that master class that I think is like, I don't know, $100 for the year for the subscription. Um, so that works. the thing about that master class is they have experts teaching on all different things. And I don't find that you actually learn anything on the skill, but you do learn about the teacher. So if you want to learn more about Questlove, he tells a lot of his story in teaching the classes. I don't think it'll make you a great DJ, but um, he talks about his collections and he talks about, uh, he talks about his, you know, passion, his special interest, all that stuff. So he, um, for each of the 200,000 records that he has, name any song and he can tell you the beats per minute of that song. Wow. Oh, that is super autistic. What is that? Oh, that's great. What is it? Oh, that is fantastic. It seems like it's related to mathematical perception because if he's able to memorize the rhythm, that is is some intensity there. That's fantastic. Is it it pattern matching? Could be. It seems like a pattern. It's like there are things that he can tell about that, like we would have to put a metronome on it or whatever. But like, so it, they, in the interview where he talks about this with Terry Gross, she says, oh, you have a great memory. (laughs) And he's like, well, that simplifies it. He's like, yeah, it's not really memory. Like, I don't think he has a list of 200,000 songs, the beats per minute, and then he's memorizing them. Yeah. It's like, I know with a lot of my work, It is pattern matching. I don't even know it's pattern matching. It doesn't feel like memorizing. I just fucking know it because I know it. Like I just, it's in my soul. I just know the answer. Like if you show me a document, I don't even have to flip through the pages. I can tell you how many words it is. Neat. I just I know it. I, I know. I know. I just know it. I know it because I know it. I don't know how I know it. So I think there's an element of like pattern matching. Like he's just like, oh, yeah, all these songs are this. All these songs yeah. are this. And if you think about I'm going to do an episode on chess. Um, Ooh. But, Ooh, yeah, but we if need you that. think about like in um, that chess movie that I'm forgetting the name of, but she's doing all the different patterns. Like if they go here, I'll go here. If they go here, I'll go here. Is that here. the Queen's Gambit? The Queen's Gambit. Yeah. 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 I do that nonstop. Like all of yes. those different, I could do all That's... the permutations really fast. Yeah. Yeah. I thought they described that really well in that movie. I don't play chess, but I was like, yes, that's what I'm doing. That's it. How'd you know? And, and- in a day-to-day basis, that deals with our expectation sensitivity of navigating the chaos and putting order to the chaos. Mm-hmm. Because you say, if this happens, I'll do this. If this happens, I'll do this. And we do that with conversations and we script and we do this with like parking situations and we have to, you know, everything. We we have to navigate it and have a contingency plan. All And this is why chess works out so well. But this, this analysis 
Quest loves analysis. It seems like it may be proprioceptive. Does he feel the beats? Does mm-hmm. is it a, a self? Because again, with you know the self-regulatory stuff of vibing with the music, he he experiences music on a much more intense level than the average human. And he's that a drummer, right? So a drummer yes, is yes. the. You have to feel the beat in order to maintain the beat. He is the beat. Oh, oh, that's so cool. Okay, so this is what he says about it. He says uh, his relationship with DJing is as embodied as love. It's as if the activity takes on a physical form and turns into a person who ages and changes. And that's how I feel about books. It's not like my work with books. It's like embodied. It's not, it's a, I like devour it. I eat it. So he has playlists organized by genre, theme, era, and style. People keep telling me I'm I'm moving to the UK and people keep telling me to pick my favorite books, which is making me want to like stick a pen in their eye. No, you can't pick. As though you're doing a Sophie's Choice of leaving books behind. I said Sophie's Choice, exactly. What madness pick. is that? How how can you leave books behind? It doesn't make That's any not sense an because it's a collection and they're organized by genre, theme, era, and style. It's a th- you can't eviscerate the collection. That's not pick. going to happen. And they say it that, like it's obvious. That? They're like, obviously, you can't take them all, so you have to pick your favorites. I'm like, it's why? either none. No. It's possible I could take none. It is not possible I can take some. I don't understand some. Well, well like, which of your internal organs will you right. be taking with you? I mean, that is that is life. Uh, even with, uh, I, I mean, I want to move uh, closer to my son in the relatively near future. So I've been planning and I, I have a massive collection of over 3,000 DVDs and Blu-rays. And uh, I have been uh, uh, assembling them. I've been carefully packing away their package art and their, you know, uh, you know, inserts and everything and putting the discs themselves into, uh, actually. I love that time. These these nice. uh, uh, Those are so pretty. I have like uh, 20 of these filled with discs because again, I've digitized everything. So they're easy to listen to. And this is just for the collection. You can't do that with books. I'm just going to have to get a lot of boxes for the books. I mean, you can. So this is why I'm like, I could, this is going to turn into a therapy session, but I'm like, I could give them all up because I can go get the Kindle version of all of them. Right. Like I could digitize them, but then I can't touch them. This is a thing that uh, came up with uh, the roundtable with Devin Price because I've, I've got his books. And the thing that I wanted to start off with on that was I really love the texture of your books yeah. because it's, it sounds insane, but it's a very nice size. The books are very nice size. They're, they're very, they, they make a nice thump sound and they, they, the, they have the like uneven edges of the paper. I know, so it's, it's easier ragged. To flip. It's called ragged. I yes. love a ragged. Yeah, I love it. It's so good. And the, like, I, I take off all dust jackets because I don't want to ruin the dust jackets. So I lay them out and I press them flat and I have a big box full of dust jackets because I don't want to hurt the dust jackets, even though I'll end up getting, I, I'm very, I, I wash my hands when I read a book because I don't want to get finger grease on the book. Again, 
little OCD yeah, because this is the way. But again, I wanted to compliment the physical, the physical act of reading the book was very enjoyable. Yes. Because the, the, the changes in font, the changes in tables, the, just the spacing of the words. It was very pleasurable to read. It had a good smell. Oh, I love uh, the smell. That's key. Exactly. Because again, uh, w- with movies, I'm sticking a disc in. I can't see the disc. And it comes up on the TV, so I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. With music, I can't see the disc. I can hear the music, so I can... And, and again, I can keep thousands of songs on me at all times because, again, like Questlove, I love my playlists for different occasions. Yes. Well done, sir. Well done. But uh, with books, I can't do that because while I can read the texts, I don't have that textural experience. Textural of the text. Mm-hmm. Neat. The textural but, of yes, the text. The yeah, texture yeah, of the text. Yeah. <laughs> So, yes, that's a that's a fun thing. I like that. But yes, go on. Yes. So Questlove as a DJ, he's obviously got, uh, he can keep going for a long time. So he gets energy because it's stimmy for him. The spinning oh God, is yes. stimmy. Then it's the special interest. Then he's oh, yeah. got all this proprioception stuff. So he's so good at mixing the beats, right? So it's Ooh. all part of it. But... He also has a lot of monotropism here. So there is a way he likes to do it. And that is the one and only way. So here is a little bit about what he said about DJ. I, I guarantee you that his way is, it has to be the best way. It is the best uh, way. <laughs> let's see here. I'm a person that knows, I believe the number one rule of DJ is you have to immerse yourself in the music, monotropism. Immerse. Not love music, you have to immerse yourself. And the formula for me is, for every record you spin, you have to know five records that go perfectly, yes, with that record. So for me, it's like a chess game. I'm thinking about the payoff song that's going to be 20 songs, oh God, yes, from now and how I can build up to that moment, which is why people aren't too happy with me maniacs. The only time I will be a complete ass to a person is when I'm DJing. I absolutely want zero interruptions because I'm in a trance in the flow state and and you're breaking my trance and I need to know how to get from point A to point B. And because of modern technology, this is not like back in the day where I could just pack up 200 records and hope that you like 200 of those records. I now have a computer system that has 70,000 songs in them, you know, so I can go anywhere. I can play Happy Feet by Kermit the Frog. Bless you, sir. I can play a song by Skrillex. Awesome. I can play a song by James Brown. Make it happen. I could play the new Kanye West. Sure. I could play the old Kanye West better. I mean, you know, that world is my oyster and I need complete, absolute concentration. He can't interrupt the flow state. The man gets in the flow. That is, that is the autistic Zen. Oh, he, his brainwaves switch from alpha waves to theta waves when he is in the music. Uh And he says, the only time I'm a complete ass to people, he says, people don't, people don't like me. I I forget the exact quote there, but he's like, uh, I want zero interruptions. Yeah. Well, it's like going into a kitchen at a fine restaurant and saying, hey, uh, I think that you should add some, I don't know, pepper. And they're like, no, I'm making a fantastic thing here. Go away. Like, well, this one time I added mayonnaise. No, No. stop, stop everything. Stop talking. So 
I always say like, even before we record these podcasts, we take a break. We'll record a couple podcasts at a time. We take a break. And one of the rules of anybody who happens to be near me when I'm recording is don't talk to me in between. It looks like I'm not recording a podcast. It looks like I'm getting a cup of tea or I'm sitting on the couch, but I'm still in the podcast. Like there, it's a no talking time. Yeah, no you, you are chat. in the flow state. Yes, exactly. Right. Yeah, uh, it, it happens from like two hours before the podcast to uh, after the podcast. This We are in the zone and that's the only thing that can happen. Yeah, so when, that's exactly true. So I saw this thing once. I, I'm not a fan. I've never seen a show, but I think his, uh, his name is Steve Harvey, I think. He's like a yes. talk show host. And it was a super mean thing on Twitter. So he had a sign. I don't know if him or his assistant made it, probably his assistant. And it was in the dressing room. And it said, when Steve is getting hair and makeup, do not speak to him. And there was this whole thing about what an asshole he was. And... Uh. I was like, I completely get why, like when I'm doing hair and makeup before an event, like with my authors, when I'm doing a book launch, I'm doing the whole show 50 different ways. Mentally preparing. Talk to me. Doing the expectations to save it, doing the chess match of planning 20 things ahead. Right. He's like, I've got 20 moves. Don't, don't talk to me. Don't suggest Michael Jackson's beat it. I'm doing a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's working out all the variables and anything that is an interruption to that is an affront to the autistic nature. And we're maybe not nice. No, no, no. Because how can you be? Because again, it's like sticking an ice pick in your brain. You can't have a positive response to that. Right. Which the autistic payoff that you want from our culture, my friends, is that payoff song 20 songs later. So you want that magical six hour DJ set where your mind is blown, then yes. you're going to have to deal with our monotropism. Sorry. It, it's, it's the gestalt. It's the, the, everything is better because it built up to it and led you on this musical journey with a culmination and a payoff. This is why, again, uh, writers who are in the flow state lead you along this path and then take you in this unexpected direction. And then it's so good when you get there as opposed to, yeah, I saw that coming 20. It, yeah. Yeah. You could have done better. Right. It's, it's this twisted turns. It's beautiful. Oh, so good. We love sharing stories of autistic culture. And if you are seeing yourself in any of these stories and you're wondering if maybe you're one of us or maybe you're already diagnosed or self-diagnosed and you want to know if Matt can help you live your life better and be more authentically autistic, check out his website at mattlowrylpp.com. That's Matt, M-A-T-T, Lowry, L-O-W-R-Y. And then that LPP, it stands for Licensed Psychological Practitioner. So head on over to mattlowrylpp.com and learn more about working with my buddy, Matt. So this takes us to another part of autistic culture, which we've talked about, which is collecting when the summer of soul comes out, which is one of his documentaries. Now people start, this is when he becomes the soul whisperer. People start sending him music memorabilia. 
Ooh, awesome. So, oh, what a blessing. And this is a very weird special interest. So I'm going to surprise you with this one. One of Questlove's special interests is wills. Like when oh, you die, like a will. And so yeah. if you were friends with Questlove, he would be asking you if you had a will. And if not, he would be pressuring you and giving you a curriculum on why you should have a will. And this is why, because he has gotten truckloads of heirlooms with long letters from people who did not have a plan for this incredible music memorabilia. Their family didn't know what to do with it. They didn't know where to send it. And so they send it to Questlove. And he is now like a huge proponent of doing your wills. And if you are a collector, my autistic friends, having a catalog, an inventory, and a plan for your stuff, that is what he wants you to do. So um, he said, uh, he said he has a mint condition bread bag, which was a piece of merchandising for the first Supremes album. Uh, Somebody said to him, crazy, a jazz station in West Virginia gave him their entire library of 30,000 first edition records. A collector in Minnesota gave him 800 hours of tapes showcasing the history of black radio. Just an autistic dude who recorded black radio. Um, And he understands why he gets these things. He's like, no one cares about them more than me. And either I figure out what to do with them or they go in the trash. And so he has become a one-man Blacksonian museum. That is magnificent. That is that is the ultimate dream uh, of becoming a living museum. No, I got uh, the ultimate. You ready for it? Oh, lay on It me. gets even better. So he has this collection. It's super well organized. He's a one-man museum. And last year, the National Museum of African American History and Culture asked if they could house his collection after he dies. So it will live on. He will live on through this massive, massive. And that's the thing, because, again, so we are our special interests. Our special interests are as important to us as a listed person's grandma is to them. And he, he has this magnificent collection. These, these are all elements that comprise his psyche. These are all elements that comprise the unique entity known as Questlove. And when he passes, he will live on through all of this. He achieves immortality. And the essence is continual to share with future generations God, that's beautiful. So good, right? So, okay, so I'm taking you through. We got our stim, which turns into our spin, which turns into uh, our career, which is influenced by monotropism. We've got collecting. These are all going from that first spin of the record as a kid. And it all leads to one place, the heart and soul of autistic culture, social justice. Oh, good. Yes. He knows if he doesn't collect this back mu- this black music memorabilia, it is going to be lost to history. Yes. So he sees himself as a major point on rescuing decades long and contextualizing decades long of uh, music, of uh, memorabilia, of black history. And in his film... 
uh, he wrote this, but there's a voiceover artist who reads it. But in the Summer of Soul, it says, we hold these truths to be self-evident that Black history is going to be erased. And that's why he does this so that Black history is not erased. He said the real sin is an erasure. It's discontinuity. And so even though some of this stuff is there, like, oh, that fucking Martin Luther King quote about judging people by the context of their character, it's taken it completely so out of context. fucking out of context. I want to yes. beat people. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and used by racists. Oh, to nonstop justify. used yeah. by racists. Yeah, so yeah. his goal is not just restoration and preservation, but it's contextualization. Yes. That oh God, that's is important. His passion. So, um, so he is very focused on not only having this collection, but contextualizing it. He says, um, "My work is meant to be corrective." Using Ooh. a music guy's detailed scrutiny to ensure that black music has its deserved place in intellectual history. Oh, I like that. In his book, Music is History, Questlove mentions a clip that he loved from a Nina Simone interview where he taught where she talked about how black people in America were in one important respect deprived of something Africans had, and that was a sense of their own past. Yes. A record is a culture's lifeblood. Remembrance is the first step to being understood. And this is where Questlove shines. He says, I'm also concerned slash obsessed with looking at how the universe of music revol resolves into galaxies and galaxies into constellations. American music is connected to global music. Punk is a cousin of reggae. Rock and soul are related. At some level, music is one gigantic organism flowing oh. through people at different times and different places. He told me his mission is to lay out the evidence before the people so it's not forgotten. And if they come to it and embrace it, perfect. But I'm very much aware and accepting of the fact that some people will just move on. But that is his life's mission. That is his legacy. Yeah. That's that's a beautiful, beautiful legacy. Beautiful legacy. So I dove deep into that one. And I will tell you one little, you love a fun fact. So I've got a straight up fun fact for you. You might have already seen it because I Facebooked about it. It was so exciting. But uh -huh. there is a new wave 80s song by a band called Soft Cell, which is called oh, yes, yes, Tainted yes. Love. Tainted yeah. love, whoa. And I think it is like the classic 80s new wave song. There is, it's yeah. all synthesizer all the time. Nope, nope, and nope. That is black music from 1964 from Gloria Jones. The original is better. Please go look it up. Yes, My mind yes. was blown this morning by Questlove's, uh, the way that, that song evolved and the, the family of music and how important that song was to me in my preteen years that actually was just black music taken out of context. Yeah. Yeah. Well, without ever knowing the history of the song and mm -hmm. all the origins. Yep. So wow, it's all really connected again. There's not so much like Questlove doesn't talk about being autistic all the time, but it is in everything he does, he is autistic yeah. culture. That, 
that's the th- that's the thing. Autism is not what you say; it's what you do. Yeah. And so I got a couple other little quick stories just to wrap with. The first is the journalist who wrote, there's a New York Times magazine piece. I'm going to link to it in the show notes. I really loved it. Uh, One of the big sources for this. And this is how the journalist describes Questlove. Remember, Questlove's last name is Thompson. So let you read this one. Thompson talks with his whole body, loudly slapping his flat, wide palm to his thigh to punctuate a point or tapping his forehead to rescue a stuck thought. There was a small pullout tray in front of him for his laptop, which he deployed regularly, fact-checking himself or insisting that he show exactly what he was talking about, because that's how we communicate. May, uh, he might not have been making eye contact with the journalist. Ah, uh, Shocker. Because that is not what we do. We fact check while we talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because being wrong facts. sucks. We exactly, check facts, exactly. We check your facts. Because truth is the ultimate importance. <laughs> yeah. So uh, there's also a super fun story I'm going to tell about. I, I couldn't get into my narrative, but it is really good. One of his special interests was the band Kiss. And I think this is a wow. great autistic joy story. So he was on tour with his dad's band and he ran into the hallway and it was a circular quarter. His dad had sent him to like go get ice from the ice machine or whatever, or get a soda. He said, I got a soda. And as I was walking past the elevator, the doors opened. Bing. He was eight years old. And he said, what I saw there was my worst nightmare come to life. It was Ace, Paul, Gene, and Peter, uh, all from the band Kiss, all in the elevator with bodyguards. I don't think they were in full costume and makeup, but maybe they weren't totally cleaned up either. At any rate, I knew it was Kiss. Who else could it have been? I was excited and terrified, but completely overloaded. So I let yeah. out this long, high-pitched, blood-curdling <laughs> scream. I yeah. dropped the soda and I ran. I went past the elevator three times. It woke up all the people in the hotel room. I was the little boy who called, who cried Chris. I got... Yes. <laughs> yeah, so go ahead, jump in on that. What's that? Oh, no, no, no. Yes, yes, yes. Autistic joy. Go on. Yes. That is autistic joy. So then his dad, um, his dad found the band to apologize. He said, excuse me, I'm Lee Andrews. He pointed to the poster. He had his little boy with him. Uh, I, I couldn't stop staring. So Questlove couldn't stop staring. And I, my mouth was hanging wide open. And Creed, Peter Chris looked at me and said, oh yeah, I know you. You're the little screamer guy. <laughs> the whole band gave me autographs. They couldn't have been nicer. Uh, Kiss was at the apex of their power. And in that moment, I was at the apex of mine because of them. Oh, oh that's so good. I'm sweetie. so glad. Yes. Oh, that's nice. Okay, my last little postscript Whoa. is, did you know he's making, Disney hired him to make the live action, they're doing a live action. Yeah. Yeah, I saw that. Huh. So that's going to, all the stuff we talked about today, if you would like to celebrate autistic culture, that's going to bring in a lot of the music stuff. Uh, There's going to be a lot of autistic joy. So I highly uh, recommend that you check that out. I don't know if it's going to be good or bad because these live action Disney's have been mixed, but it will be interesting. And I know that Questlove will be fully embodying his stims, his spins, his collection, his monotropism, and his autistic joy. 
If they let the man do what he does, it will be wonderful. Uh, any studio interference will be met with the same interference as uh, DJing. So, <laughs> right. yeah. Right. But yeah, that that is awesome. Uh, and, and Questlove, if you happen to be listening, if you ever want to be on the show sometime, let us know because <laughs> you seem super cool and we'd like to talk to you. We love you. It's so good. I love Questlove's story. And I think it's just such a celebration of what autistic culture looks like. Going back to that psychologist, the, the guy who I said wanted your job, he said, oh, yeah. let this kid be autistic, like let him live his life and celebrate his special interests and celebrate who, who he authentically is, be more of him. And I'm not saying like, by all means that everything was perfect, but in a lot of ways, this is what autistic culture looks like when it's not pathologized. Yeah. But don't don't so. look at the dating stuff. You'll see the patho- the pathologization of being um, of being autistic if you look into his dating life. There's a whole thing there. But when it comes to his career and his music life, it is pure autistic culture, not pathologized autism. So I I, I feel him on the dating life. Yeah. I'm, I'm right there with you, sir. <laughs> Maybe you got a good story for me though. Tell me something you loved about being autistic this week. Oh, this week I was invited by John Davis to the Spartansburg County Library to talk with Devin Price about autistic culture and masking. And oh my God, we had such a good time. Uh, We were riffing and telling stories and talking about the autistic culture and talking about autistica and the dragons of autistica and how to live a healthy autistic life and talking to the people in attendance in a library. Because again, and I'm coming to you from my library. We were coming from their library, Devin's library. It was it was a, a celebration of all things autistic culture. And we had such great questions and such great people in attendance. And the people at the Spartansburg Library couldn't have been nicer. And uh, uh, I, I really, really enjoyed talking with you all. And it was, it was uh, if, if you all are listening, it was a wonderful, wonderful time and easily the highlight of my week. And uh, we, we got to do it again sometime because it was magnificent. I love that. I know uh, we're going to try and get Devin on the pod and uh, check out his books. Amazing. And I love, I love that you're bringing the joy, sharing the love. Oh yeah. It's, it's a good time. So good. All right, you guys, well, we will see you next week. Uh, I want to hear in the comments uh, your thoughts on Questlove. Does it make you want to check out the Jimmy Fallon show? I know that for me is one of my missions this week. He's doing lots of fun, surreptitious, autistic stuff with the music choices. So there's a whole thing. Really? Yeah. So for every guest, he's going through 200,000 songs and making decisions (laughs) about the music. So it is all thought through like a chess match. I'm going to come back and talk to you guys about chess soon. Uh, But in the meantime, watch the chess that is Questlove's game on the on the turntables and on the i'm in all that's fantastic so good all right thanks matt we'll see you all next week drop your comments below and please share the podcast rate it and have a good one thanks for listening to the autistic culture podcast if you like this show you can help other people find it by taking a few minutes to rate and review on spotify or apple podcasts You can find out more about writing your book with me at differencepress.com. That's difference, D-I-F-F-E-R-E-N-C-E, press, 
P-R-E-S-S dot com. Or getting a psychological evaluation or consult with me at www.mattlowrylpp.com. That's M-A-T-T, Matt Lowry, L-O-W-R-Y, L-P-P, as in licensed psychological practitioner, dot com. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. And remember, no one ever changed the world by being like everyone else. Thank you.